Hi, my name is Reed Hamilton. Thanks so much for listening to these interviews. The Triple Net Lease program is new to a lot of people. And so what we've tried to do is create Zoom interviews with industry experts to answer frequently asked questions, questions that I would be asking myself. Today, I sit with Greg Crawford from Alliance Trust. Greg has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to managing and setting up trusts. When speaking with Greg, we talk about the triple net lease and how it is a major benefit for proactive estate planning, thinking about things before they actually happen. So enjoy this interview and please contact me if you have any questions. Greg, how are you doing today? Good, Reed. How have you been? I've been absolutely fantastic. So, hey, thanks so much for taking some time to come sit down and chat with me. When I think of exciting topics, usually it's not estate planning or trust planning, but it's one of those things when I think of a topic that needs to happen, the conversation needs to, needs to be done, it definitely is there. So, before sure. we jump into a, a, a short little conversation, would you mind telling us a little bit about Alliance Trust and who you are? Yeah, of course, no problem. Alliance Trust Company, Nevada, is the largest independently owned trust company in Nevada. We administer trusts under the favorable laws that we have in this state, and trust law does vary by state. And we do that out of our office in Reno. We just opened an office in Las Vegas, so we're excited about that. But we're a team of 30 people here in Reno and a few people out in the field uh, doing business development work for us. And eventually we'll have a you know an operating presence in Las Vegas as well. So that's Alliance Trust, about seven billion dollars in assets under administration. We don't manage the assets, we administer them under the terms of the trust. Fantastic. So, Greg, as you and I have talked about before, proactive estate planning is absolutely crucial crucial. And I'm 40 years old and it, it took me a little while to get to that point, but I now have my my trust set up, my estate's off and running, mm-hmm. and every asset that I own goes in that direction. Now, if I had not taken those steps, what would be the first, call it three to five steps that you would recommend that people take to be able to be prepared for that? Sure, sure. And I understand, Reed, it's a, you know, estate planning is not sexy and it's certainly a fairly easy thing to defer. But at the same time, we also all know it's quite important. And the significance of not having any sort of estate planning documents, be it a will or a trust, is that you die in in a state of what's called intestate, meaning that no one knows technically where your assets will go and who would look after your children if if you pass away and you have minors. There's some pretty important things that go along with an estate plan um, that relate to the people around you. So um, if, if the courts have to get involved and try to determine things, each state does have laws about how your assets are distributed. It's just a very disorderly process. And most people, when they understand the downside of not doing proper estate planning, do in fact go through the process as you did. It's not as painful as it sounds. Uh, there are some tough issues. There are some tough conversations you have to have with yourself, with your spouse, about and some of your relatives sometimes about what you want to have happen. But at the end of the day, you know, these are your assets or, or the couple's assets. Um, and you want to be in charge of what happens to them to make sure that they're used for the right purposes, constructive purposes, not destructive purposes. And also that, you know, to the extent you're interested in legacy and sort of charitable kinds of aspirations and other things can reflect your values. A lot of what trusts do is they, they uh, reflect, and estate plans do, is they reflect your values after life. And, and that's why it's so important to do it while you're alive, because if you don't do it while you're alive, it's a very different process. Well, you, you bring up a good point that a lot of times 
we, we try to avoid hard conversations in life. It's just a natural thing. Nobody likes that mm-hmm. feeling. But if something were to happen, it's going to be tremendously harder on the right. significant others in your life. The news, obviously, uh, they like to always report the bad news and what's going on in the world. What is an example that you have of somebody who was close to finishing their estate or or just delayed a little bit and something happened, the unforeseen happened? Well, I mean, there are a whole series of things that can go wrong if you don't have a proper estate plan in place. Um, the big one that I talked about is kind of a conceptual issue where, you know, what legacy did you want to leave behind? What assets did you want to leave to certain people for certain reasons? These don't even have to be necessarily valuable assets, but intangible kinds of things that people value, family heirlooms and things, in addition to the more valuable assets. The consequences come from not seeing that happen. You can lose control of your assets. Assets we've seen go to uh, children that are about to get divorced, that therefore their inheritance is dramatically diluted through a divorcing spouse. Um, Without proper tax planning, if you're fortunate enough to be in a taxable estate, and that'll vary a little bit on federal and and states that you live in, you know, you can end up writing very, very large checks to, you know, the U.S. Treasury or your local state revenue department that, you know, maybe you didn't want to do. Maybe you'd rather see that that money go through proper planning to uh, the university you attended or the church that you attend or certain things, certain charities that, that you know, you valued or certain causes and beliefs that you, you had in your life. So the cascade of problems can be different based on family circumstances, but it's never good. <laughs> it's always better to do at least some sort of basic planning that usually starts with a will and or a trust to at least get what you want to have happen on paper in a legal format. Fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, it obviously it comes down to it is make it happen. There's a couple hurdles to clear now, but it definitely, it, it paves roads in the, in the future. And I should say it's also much cheaper to, to have an orderly process than to have the courts get involved. At that point, the process is slower, more expensive. I mean, you can, you can add that to the, the litany of problems that happen without proper estate plan. Plenty of problems can come without it. So get it done, basically, is what it comes down to. Pretty much. One of those things in life, it's easy to defer, but it's really important not to just get it done. So, Greg, you and I briefly talked about the Triple Net Lease program that we're rolling out. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that makes it really exciting is, you know, we identify storage folks that we want to work with. And we provide them either somewhere between a 10 to 30 year lease, right, where they're going to mm-hmm. get monthly payments month over month, year over year with annual escalators. From a trustee standpoint, what is it that you would potentially like about something like that? Or what would you dislike that could be potentially a problem? Sure, sure. And I certainly know the program. And I think it's it's a, an innovative one. From a trustee's perspective, many times the beneficiaries are looking for steady, reliable payments, right? That's, you know, kind of a, a budget. These trusts are often used in downstream generations, future generations, to help with living expenses or healthcare expenses, sometimes educational expenses of, you know, grandkids and those sorts of things. So a steady, reliable stream of payments going from the properties in the trust to the trust, and then ultimately to the beneficiary can be a very attractive point for families. And it's attractive because the reliability and the steadiness is there. As we all know, it's getting harder in this current interest rate environment to find attractive rates of returns that have a high predictability factor. 
and your program actually delivers that, and that fits a lot of needs that beneficiaries traditionally have. Very often, trusts will have an income component and a growth component, and to the extent that the income component has been very difficult to generate in recent years, um, that would be you know quite attractive. You add in the volatility of you know other asset classes that we're seeing right now. I mean, the stock market is a classic example, and steady, reliable payments for you know multiple decades or longer is is something that would be attractive to beneficiaries. The only downside that I might you know suggest would be there is depending on the state that the uh, properties are located in, uh, we may not be able to help from a from a tax standpoint. I mean, there might be some other issues. That's where the specifics of the the projects, the residency of the beneficiaries and the, the grantor and things can have an impact. Um, but at a high level, steady, uh, reliable payments in this economy, you have to look in different places than you traditionally have looked at government bonds, corporate bonds, and those sorts of things. And that's why your program, I think, is, is interesting, would be quite interesting to people. And so you brought up a point that I kind of want to clarify. So I'm based out of Reno, as, as you are. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking with folks from California to New York. If if you're in any other state besides Nevada, can you hold your trust in Nevada? And if if, you, if so, why would you want to do that? The short answer is yes, uh, you can. Uh, it does require a Nevada trustee. Uh, trustee. Uh, that's the service that we perform. Uh, full disclosure, it does not have to be a corporate trustee. We're licensed and regulated by the state of Nevada with annual exams and insurance requirements and all those sorts of things. But if you have a relative that is reliable and a good business person wants to take on a project being a trustee, and they so happen to live in Nevada or Delaware or South Dakota, some of the the attractive trust states, uh, there are a lot of benefits that the trust receives because the trust is actually legally governed by the state of Nevada rather than uh, the other states that, that you mentioned. So uh, the fact that there's no income tax in Nevada, the fact that trusts in Nevada can last for up to 365 years, uh, the fact that, that trusts in Nevada are highly protected by our courts, all sort of leads into that kind of duration, stability, predictability of the payments uh, that we talked about a moment ago. In fairness, Delaware and South Dakota and a few other states can offer similar advantages, um, but you will need to have a trustee in one of those states, and that can be an individual or that can be a corporate trustee. So obviously, important takeaways, whether it's Nevada, Delaware, South Carolina, explore those options if you live in a different state, because it can be massively beneficial. Yes, exactly. South South Dakota. South Dakota, um, not South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, those are the top three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Well, one of my favorite questions that I always try to ask is, what is the best question that I could ask you right now that I haven't? Um, you know, a number of people will run into barriers uh, around their estate planning. And how do you get past those barriers? That is something that I think um, an attorney, because even though we're a trust company, we only administer trusts. We don't draft them. A good trust in the state's attorney can help you with, because since we see over 2,000, oversee and administer over 2,000 trusts in our office, we see a lot of different situations. And what can feel like an impossible sort of family situation, odds are we've probably seen it in our office. There are no uh, leave it to beaver kinds of cleaver families in existence. There may not ever have been, quite frankly, that could have been an advent of American black and white television. But if there are certain issues that you think in your family are so difficult to address or impossible to address, I think 
our experience would suggest there are techniques and strategies out there to deal with those difficult questions. And if you can get your mind around those and that process and understand, you know, every family has challenges, every family has, you know, certain situations that feel unique to them, but in reality aren't that unique in the bigger picture. It's all part of estate planning and, and those kinds of experience shares, you know, that attorneys can give and to a certain degree others might be able to help you with, can help you come up with some strategies and solutions to address what might feel like an impossible situation when you begin thinking about your future estate plan. Fantastic answer. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, Greg, like we said, this is just kind of a, a real short interview. If people are interested in reaching out to Alliance Trust, what's the best way for them to find you? The best way is to go to alliancetrustcompany.com. We actually have lots of resources on our website that people can avail uh, of themselves. There's also um, lists of different contact people, our marketing team and such. We can't give specific legal advice, but we have a lot of general pieces that we can hand to you or you can download. Uh, You can register on our website. Um, That gives you kind of the basics to, uh, if you have no framework of estate planning and how it works, that will give you the basics to think more about your situation. And then when you do approach an attorney, and we can certainly help with referrals in that regard, you know, you're coming from a, a more knowledgeable place when you begin to initiate the serious process of eventually putting pen to paper around your estate plan. And what's an estimate? How much time and cost does it typically is the average. I know there there probably is no average because depending on the, the size of this state and the complexity, but ranges. Sure, sure. And and I would um, suggest that that estate plans often run in the depending on what city you're in and where uh, generally run from a few thousand dollars maybe up to ten or fifteen thousand dollars. If you're doing some extremely complex multi generational kinds of plans, they might be more than that. They can be more than that. But what we're talking about, you know, for the most part, is just getting your your ducks in a row. The basic building block is a revocable living trust that falls into that lower cost category that I mentioned. And then from there, you can add on more features or bells and whistles, for lack of a better term, potentially leading up to an irrevocable trust where some of those asset protection features and other, you know, multi-generational things apply. So uh, it's a combination of the attorney and you working with your attorney to come up with the right recipe. Obviously, the more time and the more complex the case is, attorneys charge for time. So that'll be incorporated into the plan. Um, But if you have your basic building blocks understood in, in, in a row, and there's enough information, I believe, on our website to get you going in that regard, you know, you can have the basic fundamental estate plan, that revocable living trust in place for a nominal amount of money. If you die without a will or a trust, and they often go hand in hand, you know, you're looking at, you know, what's called probate costs of generally three, four, five percent of your total assets. So you compare that to the numbers that I mentioned, and, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious. It's, uh, not only the right thing to do in terms of leaving your legacy and not a mess behind your heirs, uh, but also it's the right thing to do economically uh, while you're alive. Fantastic. Well, Greg, once again, thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I'm sure people find a ton of value in this conversation. So thanks Rita. I appreciate the opportunity and it's good to see you. Good to see you as well. Thank you so much. 
Hey, thanks for listening. If you didn't catch Reed's contact info, no worries, we've got you covered. That information will be in our show notes, which you can find at storagerecess.com backslash podcast. So check those out. Also, be sure to tune into the next episode. We'll see you there. Thank you.